congregation, boys and girls, and our many young friends who are gathered here tonight. What crosses your mind when you drive past a cemetery? Because there is not a town or village in the world where you do not find a cemetery. Wherever human beings dwell, you will find a cemetery. And all of us, in our travels, invariably will drive past a cemetery. I want to ask especially our young people, what crosses your mind or do you simply pass by quickly? Or do you think for a moment about what that means? When you look at all those headstones, the only thing to remind us that people are buried there who once lived like you did, who once were young like you were, all that is left is in many cases but a marker, a marker. My wife knows that many, many times, if not always, when we drive past the cemetery, I can't help but say, there is the end of all men. There is no one who will escape that reality. There are old cemeteries who by the entrance, will have a, a Latin phrase above the entrance. And it reads, memento mori. Memento mori, what does that mean? It means, remember, you are going to die. If there's anything we would rather not remember, if there's anything we would rather not think about, is the fact that at some point, we are going to die. And I think we have lost something in our generation in the fact that churches and cemeteries are no longer together. In former days, also in the Netherlands, when a church was built, there would always be a cemetery next to the church. So when you came to church, the first thing you would see is you would see a cemetery and that in itself was a visible preparation for the proclamation of the gospel. For why is it, congregation, my dear young friends, why is it that the gospel is preached to you? Why is it that we stand before you to bring the word of God tonight? And the reason is, is because you are going to die. That's what makes life so serious. Your life, my life, your young life. We all have this in common. That without exception, unless Christ returns, we are going to die. And we only get to die once. And then comes the judgment. That's why life is so serious. That's why it is such a blessing, also, my dear young people, it is such a blessing that we have the Lord's Day. It is such a blessing that in our busy lives, in your young lives, there comes this blessed interruption every single week. Every single week we come to the house of God and we are reminded there is more to life 
than making money. There is more to life than being successful in your career. We're reminded when we come to this place that we are on a short journey that we call life. We are reminded in this place that we are all traveling to our everlasting destiny. That's what makes the ministry of the gospel such a very special and solemn occasion. And so tonight I want to focus on a passage that especially addresses our young people and our children. Let's turn to the chapter we read, chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. And there we read God's word in our text. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not. And of course in the next verses it is explained what those evil days are. And I will explain that when I get to it. Nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say... I have no pleasure in them. And so in this passage, we have an earnest exhortation to remember our Creator. Very special that in this exhortation, in this holy command, this is not, this is not set before us as an option. This is a holy imperative. Remember, know thy Creator. First of all, the reason for this exhortation, and the reason is implied, is because we are inclined by nature to ignore our Creator. Secondly, the focus. Why does it say here, remember now thy Creator? What is implied in that? Not just remember God, that would have been entirely correct, but remember now thy Creator. So the focus of this exhortation. And thirdly, the urgency. The word now. Remember now, today, thy creator. Now, in the days of your youth, before those evil days come. So the reason for this exhortation, the focus of this exhortation, and the urgency of this exhortation. I wonder what crossed your mind when we read verse 9 of chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles open, I would urge you to read with me that passage one more time. Verse 9 of chapter 11. Rejoice, the preacher says. Rejoice, O young man or young woman, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart. And in the sight of thine eyes. It almost seems like the preacher is encouraging you to live it up. It is as if the preacher is saying, Oh, young person, get as much out of life as you possibly can. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Walk according to your own ways. Do your own thing. And do what is good in your own eyes. That's not where it ends. This is an example of what we call holy irony. 
But remember, the preacher says, but remember one thing, that for all these things, for how you live, what you do, how you spend your short time here on earth, but remember that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. And so in this holy irony, the preacher now puts it in perspective. He's saying, young person, you may, you may desire to get everything out of this world that you can. You may desire to be able to live according to your pleasure. And when you're young, somehow you think there will be no tomorrow. But remember, remember, he said, in the end, God will hold you accountable for all these things. What a solemn word that is. And yet what a loving word that is. Because it recognizes, this passage recognizes what the inclination is of young people especially. We are inclined when we're young to forget God. That's our sinnership. By nature, we live as if there is no God. And we want to ignore the reality of death. Because when you're young, that's the furthest thing from your mind. You're thinking about your life. You're thinking about your future. And we live in a culture today where Satan is conspiring against you, against your soul, where Satan is trying to do everything in his power to conquer your heart, to corrupt your life, to destroy you. The great deceiver from the beginning. What a blessing it is that now tonight, God interrupts that by means of his word. And God comes to you tonight and says with all the love of his divine being and his divine heart, young person, stop and consider who I am. My dear young friend, instead of ignoring me, I want you to remember me. So I want to ask you a personal question. Do you think about your maker? Are you seeking him? Has that become a priority in your life? Or are you still forgetting him? The Bible speaks about our natural inclination. A natural inclination that I remember all too well from my youthful years. When there were years that I also had no desire after the knowledge of God's ways. Read in Psalm 10, 10 verse 4 that it says about the ungodly that God is not in all his thoughts. And Psalm 14 verse 1 even goes further. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now I'm hoping there's no one here tonight that would go that far and to say there is no God. That's what we call the confession of the atheist. The fool who says there is no God. But how about these words from Isaiah 29 verse 13? 
Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Now, now God is talking about people who outwardly go through the motions, who outwardly draw near to him, who outwardly call upon him with their mouth, and who with their lips honor him, but whose heart are far removed from him. I wonder if that applies to any of us. Because I would venture to say that without exception, all of us have been raised in an environment in which we have been surrounded by the Word of God. I ask you tonight, my young friend, I ask you, where is your heart? Because even though we may not be arrogant atheists, yet by nature we are practical atheists. Because ultimately, what does it mean to be a sinner? To be a sinner means that we ignore God. To be a sinner means we ignore His Word. Even worse than that. To be a sinner, you know what it means to be a sinner? Every time we sin, we treat God as a liar. That's what we're doing. Every time we sin, we treat Him as a liar. And how extraordinary it then is that in spite of the fact that by nature we have no desire in the knowledge of His ways, that God makes it so very, very clear that He has no pleasure in my death, in your death, but that you would turn unto Him and live. And that's why your whole life God has surrounded you with His precious Word. That's why there have already been so many callings in your young life. And of course, I don't know you. I don't know your heart. It would be a delight for me to realize that also in this audience tonight, there are young people who truly fear the Lord, who truly hunger and thirst after His righteousness. But I'm especially addressing those who maybe outwardly go through the motions of religion, but who have still have removed their heart far from God. And that brings us to the focus of this exhortation. Remember now thy creator. And there are three ways in which I want to look at this. First of all, a creator who created you for a very specific purpose. Secondly, a creator with whom you must be reconciled before you die. And thirdly, a creator who will once judge you as we have seen already. But first of all, a creator who created you for a very special purpose. Almost all commentators, without exception, highlight the fact that in the Hebrew, we have a plural word, remember now thy creators. One of those Old Testament references to the Trinity. 
So the God who created us is the, the triune God. And when God created Adam and Eve, they were the masterpiece of a triune God. God the Father created Adam in his image to be the temple of his spirit. So the Father created us in the image of his Son to be the temple of his spirit. And so we were created by God to find our purpose in him, to find our purpose in knowing him, loving him, and serving him. That's how God equipped us. That immediately calls us to self-examination. I ask you, my dear young friend, I ask you tonight, does that describe you? Are you a person tonight who can say that by the grace of God, your, your greatest desire is to know the God who created you? Your greatest desire is to love Him and to serve Him. For that's the purpose for which you were created. And the tragedy of our fall is that we now utterly fail to fulfill that purpose. As fallen creatures, we are divorced from our Creator. As fallen creatures, we are only interested in knowing ourselves, loving ourselves, and serving ourselves. That's our fallen nature. That means that as long as we are not reconciled with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are living failures. That's one of the meanings of the word sinner. Sinner means someone who fails to live up to the purpose for which he was created. Because my dear young friend, my dear congregation, a life lived without God is ultimately a wasted life. A life without God is ultimately a failed life. We may accomplish much in the world, we may achieve extraordinary things. But if in the end, the God who made us, our Creator, if that God is not your God, if that is not my God, we will have lived in vain. That's why the Lord Jesus said, what is a profit a man? What is a profit a man if he gains the whole world and in the end loses his soul? You think of men like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, they have literally, they have gained the entire world. Elon Musk, they are the wealthiest men in the world. But if God is not their portion, they are the poorest men in the world. For they too will find out the truth of God's word. That we come into the world with nothing and we will leave the world with nothing. That's why Jesus said, what is a profit a man? What is a profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet in the end loses his soul? And now tonight God comes to you. And he's saying to you again, remember who I am. I am your creator. I am the God who made you. I am the God who formed you. 
I am the God to whom you owe your entire existence, your entire being. I am the God in whom you live and move and have your being. I am the God who has cared for you all the days of your life. I am the God who has provided for you. I am the God who has brought you to this hour. I am the God who has surrounded you with so many of my tokens of favor. I am the God who has, in so many ways, demonstrated to you that I have no pleasure in your death, but that you would turn unto me and live. Oh, my dear young friend, if God would withdraw his hand from you, you would perish in a moment. Every breath you take, every ounce of energy you have, it all comes from your Creator. But it's remarkable that we have this plural here because this brings us to a very special, very, very special truth I want to emphasize. Because this Creator, this triune Creator, already dealt with you when you did not even know you existed. When you were an infant, you were baptized in the name of this triune God. Your Creator, your Creator declared at your baptism that it is His desire to be your God. He called you by your name. Your Creator, the sovereign God of heaven, He united His name to your name. And before you even knew you existed, He already declared publicly that He had no pleasure in your death. And it is that God who has brought you to this hour. It is that God who not only wants you to know that he made you and for what purpose you made you, and who wants you to realize what a dreadful thing it is to ignore him and to go your own way, not to remember him. But that God wants you to know that you need to be reconciled with him. And the wonderful thing is that this God goes out of his way to communicate to you his desire that you should be reconciled with him. This God wants you to know, this, your creator wants you to know that he truly has no pleasure in your death. He has sworn by his own name. He swears an oath as if, as, as if to say, if that were not true, then I cease to be God. But as truly as I am God, so true it is that I have no pleasure in your death, in the death of the sinner, but that you would turn unto me and live. Isn't that an amazing truth? Let me ask you a question. In light of all the favors that God has bestowed upon you your entire lifetime, as you are sitting here tonight, is it your desire to know him? He has no pleasure in your death. That's why you're still here. That's why you're here tonight. 
But do you have a desire to seek Him? Or are you still going your own way? Are you still ignoring this God who has surrounded you with His mercies? And most importantly, this God who has surrounded you your entire lifetime with the proclamation of His precious Word. This God who has communicated to you so many times, not only last week, but already when you were little, when your parents taught you the Word of God, in your catechism instruction, in your Christian school, in all these ways, God has communicated to you who He is, He has communicated to you who He is in His only beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has communicated to you how willing and able He is to save even someone like you. He has communicated to you in so many ways that if you come to Him, He will in no wise cast you out. He has communicated to you that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, my young friend, how often have you not heard his voice? How often has he not spoken to you? How often has he not pleaded with you through the proclamation of the gospel? And I ask you, after all those gospel privileges that your maker has bestowed upon you, I ask you, what has been the result and what has been the fruit today. Have you remembered your maker, your creator, your triune creator, who has joined his name to your name? This glorious creator who in Christ is a God who delights in mercy, the God who proffers to us peace and pardon, the God who gave His only begotten Son to be the Savior of sinners. The God who declares in His Word, let the wicked forsake His way, Isaiah 55, verse 7, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And He will have mercy upon him and be our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Oh, God has gone out of His way to communicate to you His willingness and His readiness to pardon even you. He has used a variety of people, your parents, your teachers, your office bearers, to explain the essential truths of the gospel to you. I ask you tonight, what effect has that had in your life? Where are you today? Are you still ignoring your Creator, the God of salvation, the God who gave His Son, the God who offers His Son to you, the God who comes so near to you, the God who has said to you so many times and in so many ways, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. The God who communicates in the gospel that whoever comes to Him, He will in no wise cast out. Because if you ignore this, if you ignore not just the fact that He made you, but that through His Word He has communicated with you, and in His Word He has come to you, 
that in his word he has stretched forth his gracious hands to you, inviting you to come to him without money or without price. You will ignore this at your own peril. Because not only did God create you for a special purpose, namely to know him, to love him, and to serve him, but he has shown a special concern for the salvation of your soul, for your spiritual well-being. What is the fruit of all of that? What is the fruit in your life of all the labor that God has bestowed upon you, your Creator, your Creator who has never forgotten you? Never. Because you wouldn't be here. You would not be here tonight. And it is this God who is saying, Sinner, I have never forgotten you. I have surrounded you with my mercies. I'm asking you tonight, remember me. Remember who I am. Because we also need to remember that this God who comes to you in the gospel, this God who proffers to you peace and pardon, this God who invites you to come and believe in his only begotten Son for the salvation of your soul, that God will also be your judge. Then I think of the profound words of Hebrews 9, verse 27, where we read this, and it is appointed unto men once to die. That's how we started. But after this, the judgment. After this, the judgment. That's what makes dying so very serious. And as I said at the beginning, and I'll say it again, we only get to die once. And when death comes, and death can come so unexpectedly, you know that very well. I am sure you know examples in your own life of where death has overtaken people suddenly, has overtaken young people suddenly. Two years ago, Jordan Camp died very suddenly, very unexpectedly. How many were there not, how many of God's servants were there not who spoke to you about this? And I wonder what impact that had on you. Or has it already faded from your memory? This dramatic reminder of how suddenly and how unexpectedly that moment can come for any of us. After that, the judgment. And then you will stand before your maker, for your creator. And then to stand before him, having had so many gospel privileges, having had all those mercies bestowed upon you, and then to appear before him. What a moment that will be. When upon a thousand questions, you will not have a single answer. Because, my dear friend, and this, this goes for all of us. When we stand before him on that final day, his judgment will be without error. 
We make mistakes. We as office bearers, we misjudge people. We can be wrong about the spiritual state of someone. But there will be no mistakes in that day. In that day, your maker will be your judge. And he wants you to know that. And precisely because he has no pleasure in your death, he is saying, oh, young man, young woman, do not trifle with me. Though I have no pleasure in your death, if you live and die in your sins, and if you do not remember me, and if you ignore me, you will once stand before me. Then you will experience that I am a God who will by no means clear the guilty. Because if we appear before him without the righteousness of Christ, if we appear before him without having been washed in the precious blood of Christ, what a dreadful moment that will be. To be in hell means that you will never be able to ignore your maker anymore. Hell is a place where men will forever remember their maker. It has been said incorrectly that hell is a place where God is absent. That's not true. God is everywhere present, but he will be there in his wrath in his unspeakable wrath. And one thing all that perish in hell, all will have in common, is that they will all believe in God, but too late. Hell will be a place where men will forever remember their Creator, but they will no longer be able to be reconciled with their creator. Hell is that place of which Christ spoke so many times. And you know, congregation, I'm sure you've heard that before, young people, that Christ spoke far more about hell than he spoke about heaven. Christ knew that men tend to ignore that reality. He realized that we are inclined to make light of sin. He wanted the people to know that the consequences of sin are serious. That if we live and die in our sins without having repented, without having believed in Christ, if we die in our sins, hell will be our portion. What did Jesus say about hell? Hell is a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. Here we might be successful in somehow silencing our conscience. But there you will not be able to silence your conscience any longer. Your conscience will forever speak. And there the fire will not be quenched. The fire of God's wrath. I'm not saying this because... I'm trying, to scare you. I'm trying to scare you or frighten you. But I'm standing here as the servant of your creator. I stand before you as a man that must be truthful with you. I must tell you what the consequences will be if you do not remember your maker. And if you continue 
in a pathway of sin that will lead to everlasting perdition. And that's why in that, in that well-known passage that I quoted before from Ezekiel 33, verse 11, not only does he say, as I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn unto me. But then we hear God, your maker, your creator, pleading with you, sinner. He's saying, turn ye, turn ye, for why will you die? Oh, there your creator is saying, sinner, do not ignore me. Why will you die? Why will you perish? Turn unto me. Because if you do, you will experience that I am a very gracious God. You will experience that I am willing to embrace you in the everlasting arms of my love. You will experience that in Christ I am a God ready to forgive. No matter how you have lived, no matter how much you have sinned, no matter how long you have ignored me. This is God's character. That's why there is a holy urgency here. Remember, know thy Creator, the days of your youth. Because this is without a doubt the best time of your life to seek the Lord. When we are young is when we are still tender. And this is a special time in your life. The majority of God's children have been converted in their youth. And that's why, my dear young friends, that's why we have invested so much time and energy in your young lives. Because we believe that your youth is the time to seek the Lord. Your youth is the time to be reconciled with Him. That's why, from your childhood on, your parents, your office bearers, your teachers have done everything we could to teach you the Word of God. And we've done so prayerfully because our desire is that you would be reconciled with God in your youth. That very special time in your life. We read of King Josiah, that in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Sixteen years old. The Dutch theologian Wilhelmus Brackel, he could say that he could not remember a time in his life that he did not love the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy was a man who feared God from his youth. That's why parents, office bearers, that's why we have to labor so diligently and so persistently. That's why we have to continue to invest all of our time and energy into the lives of our youth. Because it is the prime time in which God is found. Proverbs 8, verse 17. It says, those that seek me early, they shall find me. What a precious promise that is. 
Early here means early in your life. Oh, God is so delighted when we seek Him early. And so, my dear young friend, where are you tonight? What's your relationship to your Maker? Are you seeking Him? Is it the chief desire of your life to be reconciled with your Maker? Have you understood that you need the Lord Jesus Christ to be reconciled with Him? Are you seeking Him, the willing and able Savior of sinners, before the evil days come? What are those evil days? Well, they are, it's expounded for us in the verses that follow. And then in, in graphic language, the preacher explains what happens when we get old. Our bodies begin to fail. Our limbs begin to fail. Our teeth fall out. Our eyes begin to fail. Our ears begin to fail. Our body begins to break down. The days when our mental, spiritual, and physical faculties begin to fail. And I can tell you, from my experience as a pastor, that I have met countless believers who have told me in their old age, when they were struggling greatly with the frailty of the body, when they, had, when they dealt with and experienced debilitating diseases, and they would say, Pastor, if I had to seek the Lord now, when all I can think about is my body, it would be too late. That's the point that this passage makes. And those evil days are coming. Because what is aging? Matthew Henry has a striking statement. You know what, what Matthew Henry said? He said, aging is dying by inches. Dying by inches. That's exactly what it is. Aging means that our bodies begin to break down further and further. In some people, it goes quickly, others more slowly. But it breaks down until finally the body fails and we breathe our last breath. What the, what the, what the preacher is telling us here, he said, when those evil days come, those days of old age, when we are dying by inches, when our bodies begin to break down, he says, you will no longer have any pleasure in them. You will be so preoccupied with your physical needs, so preoccupied with the pain you are suffering, that you will no longer have any desire to remember your Creator. I realize that people can be saved when they are old. There are examples of that. But God's normal way is to save sinners when they are young. That's the time. That's why this passage is in the Bible. Remember Him in your youth. Remember Him now. While you are at your peak mentally, physically. While you are faculties. And I realize that ultimately, of course, the Holy Spirit has to work in us, but, but in the way of means. This is the best time of your life to seek Him. And that's why the devil goes overtime to try to corrupt you. 
And of course today, he has more means at his disposal than ever before to corrupt your soul, to keep you from seeking your maker. You see it all through our culture. That's why we have a culture that is completely obsessed with sports and entertainment. Someone once rightfully said, it's not original with me. Why are we so obsessed with entertainment and with sports? Because people want to forget their mortality. They don't want to be reminded of their mortality. They don't want to remember their maker. Oh, remember him before those evil days come. And of course, as I've said before, and we need to wrap this up, who says you will reach that stage? Who says you will get that far? Somehow we all think, and including myself, we all think that we are going to live to a ripe old age. But you know very well that that is not always the case. That's why this this word is so urgent. Now, my friend, the Bible says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today, because there may not be a tomorrow. We are literally, you and I, we are living on the threshold of eternity. We are one breath. We are one heartbeat away from meeting our maker. Last year when my wife and I were visiting in Arkansas, in Harrison, there were billboards in several locations, powerful billboards that showed the, the heartbeat Uh, the echocardiogram, and then all of a sudden, a straight line. And it said on there, you are one heartbeat away from meeting your maker. What a powerful message. What a powerful statement. And so we, we are literally, you and I, we are literally living on the threshold of eternity. As fallen sinners... We are literally walking on the edge of an open grave. And at any time, we can fall in that grave. And we all know that. But who of us believes when they get up in the morning, who of us believes that this could be my last day? But so it is. And that's why God's Word says, Today, sinner, Today is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Today you must seek me. Today you must remember me. Today you must be reconciled with me. Today I am proffering to you peace and pardon. Today you must be reconciled with your maker. Before the door will be forever Shut. For 120 years, Noah preached to that perishing world. For 120 years, he preached to them of judgment that was coming, and they ignored it. They ignored it. And then the Bible tells us so profoundly that God shut the door. There had been an open door for these people. Noah had told them, the only safe place for you will be in this ark. And that door was open, but then God shut 
the door. And then it was too late. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 and 11, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, notice what Paul doesn't say. He does not say, we persuade men with the terror of the Lord. Now he says, knowing the terror of the Lord. Paul says, I know what the future is for the unbeliever. I know what the future is for those who will die in their sins. I know what awaits them. And therefore, I, with all the urgency of my heart, I plead with you, be reconciled with God. We persuade men. That's what my desire is also tonight. And don't be like Felix. What do we read about Felix? Open your Bibles to Acts 24. and Read that with me. Acts 24. Verse 25. Here Paul stands before this ungodly governor. And what does Paul do? Look at what he says. And as he reasoned of righteousness temperance and judgment to come, just like I have tried to do tonight. Felix trembled. Have you ever trembled when you heard the word of God? He trembled. But now look at his answer. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He trembled, but he said, you know, it's not convenient right now. This is not convenient for me to hear about this. Could you come back some other time when it's more convenient? Church history tells us that for Felix, that convenient time never came. This was God's opportunity. He trembled, but rather than repenting, he said, come back some other time. Oh, my dear young friend, I hope you will not do likewise. That you will not somehow say, I'm young, I want to do exciting things, have all kinds of dreams, all kinds of things I want to do. It's not really very convenient for me right now. That's Satan's delusion deceiving you. Psalm 50 verse 22, God says, Now consider this, ye that forget God. The opposite of remembering him. You that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Lest, lest I have no pleasure in your death. But if you ignore me, if you forget me, then you will face my wrath. And I will tear you in pieces. And that's why we read the entire 12th chapter. The last verses, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. What does that mean? Fear God, very briefly. To fear God means to take God seriously. That means to take his word seriously. That means you will hear what your creator has to say to you tonight. He's saying, sinner, remember me. 
Remember me. Remember who I am. Remember my word. Remember my willingness to save you. But also remember that if you ignore me, if you forget me, it will be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's why, oh, my dear friend, remember now your Creator. Remember Him now. While He proffers peace and pardon, remember your Maker who has no pleasure in your death. Remember your Maker who in Christ invites you to come to Him without delay, to come to Him with all the baggage of your life, to come to Him with your sin-corrupted and defiled life. And He promises you that if you trust in His Son, if you come to Him, He will pardon your sins because that's who He is. He delights in mercy. And He is a God who is ready to forgive. I hope and pray that for none of you, even this sermon would eternally testify against you. That's why it's so beautiful in Psalm 50. Not only we have a warning in verse 22 of Psalm 50. Consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. But then comes the next verse, and that's God's character. That's where I want to end. To him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. That's who your maker is. He is saying, if you order your conversation aright, if you turn unto me, I will show you my salvation in Jesus Christ. For this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, wilt thou bless thy own word? We have tried and have attempted to speak on thy behalf. And Lord, we can only bring it to the outward ear. We can only sow that seed in the heart of our people. But thou alone art able to render it fruitful. And yet, Lord, we pray that none here would hide themselves behind the fact that salvation is of the Lord. That instead, they would have heard thy voice tonight. The voice of thy love. The voice of a God who has no pleasure in the death of sinners but that they would turn unto him and live. And so we pray, Lord, that this word will not have fallen on deaf ears, but we pray that there would be young people who until now have forgotten thee, oh, that they would go home and bow their knees and seek thee, the God of salvation, the God who has joined his name to their name, declaring his willingness also to be their God. Lord, bless us this evening as we fellowship together. 
We pray for thy divine care and keeping in this coming week. Bless us in our daily calling. Be with those who will be traveling. Keep us safely. And gather with us again this coming Lord's Day. We ask it in Jesus' name alone. Amen.